0: Um, this morning, it is a very another strange morning. I don't know if you get that feeling that, hey, we survived another week. And what an interesting week it has really been. Um, all the jokes that have come around with, uh, with uh, Jacob Zuma moving from uh, Vodacom to Salsi, um, Various things that have taken place, protests that have taken place, but absolute mist of suffering. Um, as a pastor, it is an incredible privilege to be able to journey alongside people. And it is a, a role that is to be honored. It's a role that we don't take lightly. To be able to be in uh, amongst you with the, the worst of situations and the best of situations. And I tell you what, I've never known a ministry uh, here that has had so much turmoil. These storms have just come. And so I want to turn uh, to Mark chapter 4 tonight, uh, well this morning, and... Uh, we're going to be looking a little bit about what happens, this incredible miracle that Jesus does. Now, in 2000, I got to go to Robben Island. I was um, uh, got, got to be able to do, to do a tour there. Um, we were part of a ministry team called Visa, the WOW team. And somebody had invited us to go across to Robben Island to go spend the day with them. And uh, we just had to take the ferry, the, the, the tourist ferry, across to the Robben Island and spend time there. And, and I remember our team kind of asking the questions, going, you know, are you, uh, have you ever been on a boat before? And some of the guys were like, no, I've never. Do you, get boats, do you get seasick? And some of the guys are like, I'm not sure about this. And the way down there was a beautiful ferry ride. You were walking around. You were looking at the, the weather. And you going, oh, how pleasant this is. This is lovely, you know, going out. And, and it was a great time. We arrived at the island, we got into the bus, and we got to go and and, uh, got on the guided tour. And we had the privilege as everyone else left, um, we got to stay on the island and go spend some time with uh, the electricity warden uh, at his house. And uh, some of the friends around there, the the lighthouse master was there, and and a few people. And uh, spent the day there, and what a lovely day. And uh, they said to us, okay, you guys ought to go because this is the last ferry. The staff ferry is leaving now. And uh, if you don't, you're stuck on the island for the night. So we got in there and uh, in the boat. Now we've done this. It was was easy sailing. Those who have never been on a boat ride, they took it easy. You know, we could do this. And um, little did we know that the staff ferry, the captain operates the ferry very differently for staff as he does for tourists. This thing, I think we made it in a record time of a third of how long it took us there. I'm pretty certain that this captain was going for every single wave. He was. He was like, "Hey, hey check these visitors. Watch here." Yeah. We were clinging onto things. People, I just remember teammates just going like, "White, like, are you okay?" They're like, "I can't even speak. I don't want to speak. Just in case, you know." Kind of this absolute panic. This, these waves and being rocked in the storm, and just it just was a trip I will never ever forget. Uh, particularly the ending of that trip. Now. Isn't life sometimes like that? We go through very easy sailing and it's beautiful and you're going, look out there. And it's almost like somebody turns around and says, watch this now. In fact, Oswald Chambers goes on to say, if you're not coming out of a storm, you're about to go into one. No, I don't like that statement, but how true is it? If you're not coming out of a storm, you're about to go into one. Well, here we see the disciples Being called by Christ, they're there, masses have gathered around the Sea of Galilee, they gathered there, they want to hear hear Jesus' teachings, they want to see his miracles, they've got so much in their just expectation, and they gathered, and they gathered around so many of them that Jesus gets into a boat and just goes slightly off shore to be able to address everyone. He speaks to them in parables, and he talks to them, and we see this interaction, and this record's gone into to Matthew chapter 8, you'll start to see some of this in Luke, and, um, and what happens is John Mark highlights these, some of these parables, and so Jesus had been teaching the whole day. We see this conversation between the disciples, almost kind of pulling Jesus aside, and, and as he's talking about these parables, they're like, oh yeah, no, great, great, but when they're one-on-one, one, they're going, Jesus, what do you mean by this? Almost in secrecy because of the expectation. You know, we Jesus' disciples. We understand these parables. And they pull him aside and Jesus kind of talks. And what were some of those parables? What's the lamp on the stand? No one goes in at a time of, of load shedding, takes the LED light and shoves it under the couch. You put it on so it lights the the house. Well, we do this with a word. The parable of the growing, growing seed, the mustard seed, a small seed, a garden seed that grows and, and grows into such a shrub, grows into something that, that provides protection and, and uh, basis for the, for the birds. That they find this. That God's kingdom is growing, growing from small seeds to huge that provides so much. The parable of the sower. The seeds that, in a South African term, that are hoyed out, thrown, and we see the different soil types as they're busy going through this, and, uh, and it comes. And so the disciples are kind of asking questions, Jesus, you know, what's this about? And uh, we see the journey, and we see the interpretations of this. Now, where am I going with this? Well... Jesus at a certain point has been teaching the whole day, exhausted. The crowds are still gathered. He kind of dismisses them and says to the disciples, let's go to the other side. We see this, this tiredness that Jesus must have had because it said, um, it goes on as we read into Mark uh, 4, verse 35, Jesus is tired. They basically take Jesus as he is. There's no preparation whatsoever. They start to make their journey to the other side. And we see the disciples faced with this incredible storm. They have no preparation. They followed a command. They're busy going, doing what Jesus is. saying the humanity of Christ. We see that Jesus is tired, exhausted from this, this preaching this day. He falls asleep around there. On the Galilee, which is known, the Sea of Galilee, which is known for storms. Not so deep being a massive like pan kind of basis. The waters, as wind would come in, as the different heat sources from one side and the cold source from the other. The valley that causes the wind to come through. knows the storm that could come through. They're in the boat, going and following instruction. So let's pick up our text. We're reading from Mark chapter 4 um, and from verse 35. It says, that day when the evening came, so reference, that day they'd been going the whole day in this. He said to his disciples, let's go up to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind them, they just took him along just as he was. Isn't the cloak, as in the boat that you were in, let's get going. In the boat, there were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat that it nearly swamped, it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples said to him, Teacher, do you not care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. I pray through your Holy Spirit that you would just speak into our hearts today. Realizing that we've gone through so many turmoil and so many storms right now. So we just pray this in your precious name. Amen. The storm of life hits the disciples. And hasn't that been a year for us where there's been a storm of life? It's just come. It's come all of a sudden. It's come with no warning. The disciples weren't prepared for this. It just came. And I don't know if you were sweet sailing this last week and all of a sudden they're finding out about a, a loved one, a friend that you've lost. That's been so frequent at the moment. Whether it's finding out that you still have to do online schooling and you just cringe because you can't cope. You can't go, cope doing varsity this way. Funny about work and finding out where's the sources coming, finding out about further lockdowns. Just so many things that come our way that create this turbulence in our lives from smooth sailing to rough seas. The storm hits, and when it hits, it is sudden. No one warns us necessarily that we're about to go through life turmoil. Thank goodness for that. It brings enough lack of sleep, as it is anyway, without being warned about it. But it comes all of a sudden. And I know many of you are coming through that place where you're going, Where's this from? I can't cope. This has just come out of nowhere. Things were so well just the other day. And now, look, it's just come up with no warning. It is overwhelming. We see this text here saying that it's a, a furious squall came in. This word furious is almost like a mega storm that's here. It's this massive, dangerous storm. It is overwhelming. In fact, it is hitting the boat. It says, uh, in the NIV here, it says it broke over the boat. It's this crashing, bashing, just coming on, tackling every over and over and over and over that they were nearly swamped. In fact, Luke 8 turns around in this kind of reference to this. It says they were in great danger. It wasn't just this water had come into the boat. It wasn't that the boat had just sprung a small little leak. Water was coming in, and they were about to drown. Basis. When life storms come in, doesn't it feel so overwhelming? Don't we feel at a place where we just can't go on? God, I can't do this. I can't face this. I can't, I can't live with this. I, can't, I don't know what to do, and we feel so trapped Like we're drowning. Their waves have come through. Reading statistics, talking with youngsters, just seeing how so many people are going through such a level of anxiety. And I don't know if you're feeling that. All of a sudden, we're anxious about little things. We tend to be snappy at each person. It's just what's going on inside. And we're starting to feel so overwhelmed. Will COVID-19 ever leave us? Will this ever get away? Will our economy ever recover? Will this ever be fine? Will my family ever be alright? Will I ever be able to go on from this? Don't we feel overwhelmed when the storm hits us? When when the life storm hits us, it is also uncontrollable. We so often sometimes think we like to be in control. We're in control of things. I've got this. There's nothing like a storm to remind us that we can control very little. We can control our temper. We can control um, some of our um, our, our anger. We can maybe control whether we brush our teeth or certain little small things. We can never control our friendships. Ever notice that? As much as we try like to. Can't control our finances. Because as much as we try to find security, something happens. We can't control these things. And yet we find that a place where we're just trying to find such control, yet it doesn't. And that control, it just takes over. At A place when a storm hits, we feel uncontrollable. I do a lot of trauma counseling. I used to do a lot of trauma counseling for those that had been uh, victims of crime. And often as I would do the trauma counseling, one of the things I would say to them is realize that your emotions are going to be everywhere. You're not going to be able to control them. And when life storms hit, our emotions, everything just seems to be everywhere. So the disciples are facing this life storm. Here they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and this is hit. So how did they respond? Well, they fell back to what they knew. In there, you had experienced fishermen. Fishermen. You might find Peter taking control, you know, the man of action shouting out. He's like, grab the oars. And there's kind of panic and just grabbing the oars and they're trying to push through on this. Maybe set the mask. You know, let's aim it into the wind. Let's try to fight out of this. You take your shoe off. Oh, wait, it's a sandal. It's not going to work, but we want to scoop up water. You know, we need to do something here. You do this, do this. And they're falling into what they knew. John MacArthur says it's a dangerous day when a fisherman has to turn to a carpenter carpenter for help. They've kicked in to everything they knew. When life storms, don't we sometimes fall into what we know? If only I can do this. If only I could win the lotto. If only somebody could give me an island that I could go live on by myself. Am I right? If only this happens. If only I can do this. And we run to everything and we run to everyone. We try to find the best we can. We try anchor we try to uh, position the sails in the right place. We try use the oars to push out of this with all our might, but we find when the storms come, we can't get there. We're trying to now base in a bucket, one bucket at a time, trying to scoop this out. We find that here are these very fishermen, some of them experienced in a storm, maybe be able to tell you stories about the storms, the greatest storms they've been in. Um, I had the privilege of going onto the Sea of Galilee and you kind of travel and you ask I think the, the, the captains or the, the ships that travel there get asked ask the question quite often. How many storms? Tell me what the storms are like. And man, they've got stories of their storms that they've been through on this very sea that is known for it. It's their identity as fishermen. They should be able to get through this. Hasn't the storm hit? And our identity as successful business people, as providers for our family, as as our sports identity, you know, we do what so well in sports and now we're not allowed to play it. Our families, we're not allowed to see them without it being illegal. We're not allowed to do this unless an identity is gone. It's not working. Everything that we found a stability in, everything we knew, can't work anymore. The disciples have tried to fall to what they knew, and it was not working. And I just want to get something clear here. Why were these disciples here in the storm? Were they there because they'd done something wrong? No, they were following Christ's command. To get to the other side. That's what they were doing. It wasn't sometimes where we go through life's traumas. We can easily accept it. Because it's something I did wrong. Or I messed up there. But what happens when it's a storm that's just come out of nowhere. And we're going where's this come from. They hadn't done anything wrong. They were simply following a command. So what did they do through this. How did they respond. Well. They questioned Jesus. Jesus. Do you notice that? I want to tell you that I know as this church, we are going through grief and we are going through hardship. And you'll see me emotional because I feel it for you. And I know we are at a place saying, God, do you not care in this? Do you not care if we drown? Why is it like it seems like with the storm, you are just sleeping? In it Where are you? Do you not care about us? Don't you feel like that? We sometimes as Christians don't want to say that out aloud. But it's so in our hearts, it's the question we're asking. And the disciples fall to once their identity, everything they knew doesn't work, they fall to Christ and they question him. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Right now, God, it feels like you're asleep in life's turmoils. God, right now, it feels like you've abandoned us. And this is a common feeling in one of the psalmists. In Psalm 44, verse 23, he says, Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. This incredible turmoil. I'm going to tell you that this question is a natural question. It's one sometimes we feel. Because the storm comes in, we can so easily lose focus and perspective. And it makes us feel alone. It makes us feel abandoned. It makes us feel like we're not cared for. So how do we do this? How do we awaken our faith through the storm? Well, firstly, we need to awaken our need for him. We need to awaken our need for him. The disciples are so busy trying to do what they know best before waking the Lord up. They run around to try to do everything they can. Do we realize that we need Him? We are nothing without Him. We need Jesus. We need Him right now. We need Him through this storm. We need Him through this turmoil. We need Him through this. We find it incredible that Jesus doesn't wake to the storm. But he awakes to the call of his people. Isn't it incredible? Christ doesn't need to wake up to the storm because he knows what's going to happen. This storm is not going to sink the boat that has the Messiah in it. He knows that. He doesn't need to panic about the thunder, the crashing waves. He doesn't need to do that. But he responds to the cry of his people. He wakes to them. And I know right now you may be feeling that like God is not caring. God is not there for you right now. We need to get back to him and say, God, I actually need you. I've lost perspective. I've lost focus on this. I need you. Because I tell you, God is answering the call of his people. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says this. Cast your anxiety on him. For he cares for you. Cast your anxiety on him. For he cares for you. It means don't hold on to it. it means put it on to him. Give it over to him. Those burdens. The, every the weight we're carrying. Let us handle and pass it on to him. For Christ cares. He's responding to the call of his people. I'll give you an analogy of this. Um, having two kids in the house. is incredible. Now, I can come home late on a Friday night. Um, Often, the, the dogs are the only ones that kind of greet me. Everyone's asleep, fast asleep. I never get this. I've crashed stuff in the room by accident, and Sarah sleeps through all of this. But let one of the kids make a sound, and she is awake. Incredible. Christ is answering the call of his people, and so we need him. We've got to cast onto him our anxiety, our panic, our worry, our fear, trusting in him. God, we need you right now. We need you through this life's turbulence. When I say this, is that Christ wasn't taking them to the middle of the of the storm. His purpose and destiny, destination for them wasn't the middle of the lake. Yes, he used us. He used it incredibly, and we'll deal with this a little bit later. And he used it incredibly. Where was their destination? It was the other side. Realize that the storm that you're going through right now is not your destination. It's not where God, but God is taking you through the storm to something. Get to that place where we're saying, God, I need you. I need to know where you're at also find it very interesting is that Jesus is asleep in the, in the stern. Now, not knowing so much about boats, I went and did a little bit of homework. But the stern is the back of the boat. It's not just the back of the boat. It's often with what would be used, the rudder that would be used to be steering. It would be the place of direction of the boat. You find it interesting that through the storm, where was Jesus? He was actually in the place of control. When they were feeling out of control, when they were feeling just like this is going to drown us, do you not care if we drown? Do you not care if we, where is Christ? He's asleep at the very place of control. He's there. See, we wrestle because we sometimes don't think we need him. We acknowledge him with our words, but in our hearts, we're trying to fix it on our own. We're trying to get through the storm on our own. We need to get to a place of faith. God, I need you. But I need you to take control. I'm sorry for trying to take over the stern. I'm sorry for trying to take over that control. I need you to get me through the storm, for you know the destination. You know where you are taking us. And so the disciples wake him up. He hears their calls, he hears our call. And I want to just say this if you're feeling that God doesn't care for you, ask that simple question. Jesus, do you care for me? How much do you care for me? And his answer is this much. Isn't it incredible when we lose focus and we think God doesn't care for us, we forget that he died for us. That's how much he cares for you and for me. Do we need him? Are we going on our own? Are we saying, God, I, right now, Jesus. I need you. He gets up and the Luke account kind of focuses on the fact of the rebuke to the disciples first. But I'd like to think that the rebuke works far better when the storm's gone. And so so Mark highlights the rebuke of the disciples later. But Jesus gets up. He doesn't say, what have you tried? What does he do? And this brings us to our second point. We've got to be awakened to his word in your life. Awakened to his word in your life. See, Jesus gets up and he speaks into the storm. He speaks into the wind. He speaks into to the waves. He speaks, he, the, the term here is rebuke, as if this shouldn't be happening right now. As if there's something far more that's the distraction here. And he speaks his words into it. And we see this immediate response, this instant response. Easily for the, the wind to die down, but the waves would still be crashing. We see the stillness in both. Nature responds to his very word. Just as God has spoken into creation in Genesis, and then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. From his very words, Jesus speaks in his words. This miracle that's happening, yes, the disciples have seen miracles that Jesus had performed from the demon possessed, the sick. But here it's one where nature responds. One of the first uh, miracles involving nature that that Mark highlights here. Nature responds to him. To his word. It doesn't question it. It does. It's still. It's calm. And incredible, aren't we not the only ones that really wrestle sometimes to respond to God's word? Funny we did that the exact same way as nature does. And respond. See we need God's word in our lives. Because God is speaking to us through his holy scriptures. And we need to cling to that. Romans 10 verse 17. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing comes through the word of Christ. If we need to awaken our faith. We awaken it by responding to his word. It's got to be in our life. Has got to mean more than just a theoretical kind of lesson. Because for the disciples here, kind of wrestling about the word already, and, and what is the word, and Christ is talking about the sower and planting it, and, and those who respond, and the, the seed that falls into a good soil. They hear that, but doesn't the storm bring about the practical exercise of that? Isn't it? So if we want to grow our faith, we've got to go by responding to his word and hearing through, moving it from more than just in our heads. Yes, God, I know what you've said. I've read this once to God. I know what you've said. His word is speaking into your storm right now, what you're going through. What is he saying? Are you spending time in scripture, listening and responding to that? In turmoils where you're saying, God, I don't know what, how to go about this. And, and it's, it's, I'm responding in a way that, that's just about me and what I'm doing. And, and Lord, I need a pause. And I need to hear what, how I should respond in the way you want me to. What is scripture saying to this? Mark 4, verse 18 to 19. As he kind of unpacks the sower for the disciples. He focuses on this. Those who the seeds were thrown amongst The wheat and says there's still others like the seeds sown among the thorns. Hear the word, but the worries of this life. Do you see this? The worries of this life. The deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things that come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Are we letting these things overwhelm and take their joy? Are we clinging to the word of God, planting it deep? inside holding on to it so what is God right now saying to you are you clinging to his word cling to his promises never will I leave you never will I forsake you let that speak into your storm that God's never going to leave you Isaiah 43 I love though you pass through the rivers they will not sweep over you Whether we walk through the fire, the flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because I'm the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Incredible. What's God's word saying to you right now? So Jesus is awakened by the disciples. They're aware of their need for him. They hear him speak through his word into the storm and we see the response. And then we see him challenge their faith right now. And thirdly, we need to awaken our knowledge of who Christ really is. See, Jesus turns around to them, and it's kind of a a faith. Why have you doubted kind of a basis? Have you not seen who I am? Have you not seen the miracles that we've done? Have you not journeyed? Have you not following me? Do you not know that I'm in the boat with you? Kind of basis here. This rebuke that he's saying to the guys, how much more do you need to see to put your trust and your faith in me? What more do I need to do kind of question here? Well, I love Psalm 89 verses 6 to 9. It says this, for who in the skies above can compare to the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings and the counsel of the holy ones? God is greatly feared. He is more than awesome than, than all those who surround him. Who is like you, Lord Almighty? You, Lord mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the surging seas, and when its waves mount up, you still them. Incredible? Because we see Christ doing that. So we're going to ask that question. What are you really scared of right now? What are you anxious about? Where's this level of, high level of depression that's just come in? Where is it the fact that you're such a struggle to get out of bed? Where's this emptiness that's, that's, that's overwhelming you right now? As Christ is saying, why are you afraid of that? What's going on? Do you still have no faith? Why? He's saying, trust in me. As you go through the storm, Christ is saying, do you not know I'm in that boat with you? I hate that one saying that you have is, oh, everyone's in the same boat. That really doesn't comfort anyone. Okay. The focus is on the boat. We could turn around and say, do you not realize who's in the boat with you? Do you not realize who's going through this with you? We're told in this very text that there are a few other smaller boats that came along. I don't know about you, but I'm glad. I would be really glad to be in the boat with Jesus. Imagine what the other boats were going through in this. That confidence we can have knowing that Christ is in the boat that we have. You see the text goes on and says they were terrified and they asked each other. It says this, who is this? Even the winds and the bays obey him. This word terrified is or they are all struck with who Christ is and it's this fear that comes that would go as Isaiah says woe to me I'm a man of unclean lips as Peter later on responds to Jesus when when um uh, after the Great Commission, after Jesus' resurrection, kind of comes to him and he says, Wait to me, I'm a sinful man. Peter realizes who Christ is. We need to realize who he is. There is no one greater than our Lord. There is no bigger storm than him. There is nothing that he cannot control. He knows tomorrow. Do we know who he is? Who is he in your life? Is he just a prophet? Is he just someone that your parents taught you about? Is it someone you just pay lip service to? Or is he the son of God? Because how we face the storm. How we grow in our faith. Is going to be about our knowledge. In who he is. That's going to help us through that. He is my Lord. He is my savior. And he is in control. The famous Sunday school song from many, many, many years back. With Jesus in the boat, I can. And it carries on. With Jesus in the boat, what can you do? How can you get through the storm right now? Because Jesus is in the boat. He is in control. He is in control. Chuck Swindle says this, Anything under God's control is never out of control. God is getting you through the storm. So what do we need to do? We need to acknowledge that we have to go through the storm to get to the other side. But, no, Jesus is in the boat with you. So awaken our faith. Let us realize who We are with let's pray for that, I just thank you. I thank you for so great is your care. So great is your love. Lord as we feel broken for those that have lost loved ones. As I worry for those that have lost jobs. For those that have challenged with anxiety. And such fear that just seems to be so evident right now. Through questions of will this ever get over? Will we ever get over this? Lord, may we just pause may we know your stillness. May we hear your words. To know that you're the King of Kings. The Great One. with us. Thank you Lord for being in the same boat and knowing what the other side looks like. So we praise you in your precious name. Amen.